Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And I, every time I say that, welcome, 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 I keep thinking of Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory, how he always does everything <laughs> in threes. <laughs> But it, it, it is my opening line, and when I don't say it, for some odd reason, people comment because they feel so comfortable when they hear that on the opening of both the live show and the podcast part. So um, welcome, 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 everybody. It's great to be here again today in this rainy day in Florida as we are live on iHeartRadio, and I'm so excited to be here with you as always and to bring you the guests that I have on my show who, through conversations with them, through interactions with them, I've shifted myself over time, and I love people who challenge me, people who make me think differently, who stretch me, and who stretch themselves. And my guest today is no different. She really is brilliant at stretching herself, at reinventing herself. And we met because of a mutual Facebook group that we're part of called Tech World Half. And it's just probably what it sounds like. It's the other half of tech. It's the women in tech. And we met over a mutual love of questions with some postings that she put up there. And she kindly agreed to be on the show because she's doing something really cool that I just, I just love. So Welcome, Catherine Rose, to the show. Thank you so much, Laura. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really, it's fun to have you on. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, and we've had it set up, and, you know, the the vagaries of emails, things make it, they don't make it, which is always hysterical for for (laughs) me and, and you, you know, being people in tech, we always laugh because people just assume emails are going to get there and we know better. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad technology is working today and we're able to be here on the air talking in person. Well, not in person because you're in Boston. Right. And I heard and you're having better weather. Sunny here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for once, it's been rainy, rainy here for a long time. So sunny is fantastic. Always a fantastic thing when it's in the Northeast and you're in December and it's sunny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I want to talk about a couple of things that are going on. And what I really find interesting about you, Catherine, is how you have managed to rise when it seems like things are just not around you. You know, jobs end you need to shift, you've got children, you start your own business, you've been a Wall Street sales leader. I mean, you've driven 100 million plus in annual sales. You're you're in marketing in an industry where every five seconds, the way to market to somebody is changing, yet you have one of the most upbeat personalities of anybody (laughs) I know in the industries that you've chosen to be in, and I don't know how you do it. Thank you. Well, you know, some of it, I think, just comes back to, you know, your upbringing. You know, some people say nature or nurture. Well, in this case, it was certainly nurture that my folks have always been um, extremely positive people. We were never allowed to complain. You know, if you felt if something bad happened, you had like 24 hours to sort of have your pity party and then you had to move on. Um, it was always um, my, my our family saying was always the good news is. 
So if you had a problem, either you had to bring a solution with it or you had to say, you know, the good news is, like, there has to be good news, you know. And clearly not all the time there's good news, but we've tried really hard to have that, and I've tried really hard to teach my kids that, too, that at the, there's always, you know, sometimes you can find some positive something, you know, in, in situations. And that's really the way that I was raised and the way that our family is. And, um, you know, and I, I, that's just kind of how I built my, my career, my businesses and, you know, reinvented myself. It was always like, okay, what's next? There has to be, you know, there's something next. This isn't working. Move on and find something else. And so that's kind of how I uh, have, have always really built my, like I said, myself, my career, my businesses, and now I'm, I'm hopefully, you know, um, relaying this to my own children, too, as, we, as we're going forward through this journey. I know you can't always be positive. Because it's just it's just impossible for any human being to always be positive. I guess the goal is to have it have the negative moments be as small as possible and have the ability to shake out of it quicker. It's something that my, a lot of my listeners struggle with, Catherine, to be honest, is they feel like things just keep crashing down and crashing down and the resiliency is a struggle for them. What do you tell your kids when well, they're in that well, I think that, you know, the saying comes to mind is that, you know, um, disappointment is inevitable, misery is optional. So you, you're you always going to face disappointments, but it's, 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 as you said, it's how you bounce back from them, how you move on from them is, is that's, that's the choice that you make. And so I try to explain to my kids and people, and, you know, my team, everybody, it's, it's, there are always choices. And sometimes you have to choose, so this is kind of silly, but my daughter, she has this program that she's in, and they have um, the end of the program wrap-up on Thursday, and she also has her Daisies meeting for Girl Scouts on Thursday, and she loves them both. And she said, Mom, what do I do? And I said, you, you know, sometimes you have to choose between two good things. Sometimes you have to choose between two bad things, but you have to choose. I can't tell you what to do. And she said, well, you know, she kind of said, what should I do? And I said, you need to sleep on it. And then tomorrow you need to make the decision. And so that's kind of, you know, what I've tried to bring is that everything is a choice. And I do think that, again, you know, disappointments are inevitable. You're going to find disappointments. I mean, I'm starting a tech startup and, you know, you, you code one thing and something else breaks. And there's always something, but then it's that misery piece is, you know, do I want to stay here? Do I want to stay stuck here or do I want to figure out a way to move forward and out of it? That's a beautiful way of teaching your children. It's very similar to what my parents taught me, which is there's always a choice. Sometimes you just don't see it right away. So take a pause. Mm. I, I love that. And I love your example of coding you know, something always breaks. <laughs> you kind of go, all right, now what? You know, that's not quite working the way we want. The best laid plans of women and men, mice and men, whatever you want to yeah. use the phrase, right? Yeah. And I I love your new tech startup that you're talking about doing, Wise Her. I just love the idea of it. And you know my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? So exactly, it, it's so yeah. in alignment with everything that's going on. But what made you decide to create a tech startup going from the work that you were doing with channel marketing, for those who aren't aware, channel marketing is in a particular, well, I'll let you explain what channel marketing it is and what your background is. 
Sure. So, I mean, you know, we can kind of rewind from, as you mentioned, about the Wall Street. So I was on Wall Street, and the mortgage market melted down, and it was 2007, and it, I was eight and a half months pregnant, um, and uh, right around the same time, so they shut, they shut our division, and I was about to have, you know, my first child, and at the same time, my mom had a brain aneurysm, leaving her paraplegic. And so it was a really tumultuous time, and I knew I had to find something else to do with my life, but I couldn't take the time to learn everything, right? I, I couldn't take the time to take someone's class or read a book. I needed to move forward faster. So I found someone to teach me search engine optimization because um, I figured that the Internet was going to stick around for a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there was always something to happen. And I called all my old customers and I said, you know, what can I do to help you with your business? And they all said, we want our websites to rank in Google. And so I said, sure, give me a couple weeks and I'll get back to you. You know, I'm a salesperson, right? And so I went online and I found somebody, I hired them, paid for their time. And in two weeks, I got my first paying client. And I was able to, you know, parlay that into a, a marketing consultancy. Then when I added social media, I did the same thing. I found someone who would just show me because I think as women, one of the things that I've uncovered, you know, going through all the challenges women face in rising higher in their corporate career and in business and things is this idea of cognitive load and, you know, all these things swirling around in our heads. Um, kids need doctor's appointments, so the dog needs to be go to the vet or there's always something that we're, we're, we're focusing that shifts our focus. So it's how do I get from here to there faster? And so for me, that's how I did it. I found people, asked the right questions, paid for their time, and then I was able to add these things. Um, and then at some point, uh, probably five or six years in, I was uh, a pretty successful social media consultant. I spoke a lot. And a tech company approached me that they had just put together a new marketing platform, an automation platform for these tech companies. And they said, would you run sales for us because you have, you know, you, you have credibility in the marketing and in social media space and you also have sales skills. And I thought, this is great. You know, I loved sales and I wanted to get more involved in technology. And so I, I took over sales and ran that division and built it up so successfully that it was acquired, which was fantastic. That's always um, nice. But, yeah, right. But in the meantime, I was able to really learn about the development process. And I just thought it was so fascinating. And I taught myself enough code to be dangerous. Uh, and I, I made uh, you know really fast friends with the head of development. She's an amazing woman. And she allowed me to sit in on the development meetings and just kind of learn the process and things. And then after that stint ended, I thought, you know, there's got to be something I can do that will really make an impact. And marketing automation software is great, but it's not really making an impact on the world in general. And so I really wanted to find a problem that I felt needed to be solved and I was uniquely qualified to solve it. And so I just started diving into um, looking at the, the ecosystem of women in business. And there are 11.6 almost 12 million women um, in, in small businesses and 90% of them are solo and, and that's not the same for male-owned businesses and I kept thinking why is that you know and, and we're and gonna explore them, that after we come back yeah. from the commercial break why is it we'll be right back with more from Catherine Rose <laughs> Catherine you before the commercial break you were talking about this whole concept about how men and women 
do business differently, especially when they're smaller in size and business. Let's continue that conversation because I find it fascinating. I've always been a new in male-dominated industries, and I was always known for doing things not like a woman normally did them, and I never thought about it. it to me, it was the way a business person did them. It didn't matter whether I was a man or a woman. It was just, these are the best business practices. I'm going to bring my own sort of skew to it, but I'm going to keep going forward with it. So what have you found in, in the research that you've been doing in preparation for launching and creating WiseHer? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's very fascinating because I, the same thing, as you said, we were both in the, these male-dominated industries, and it never really occurred to me that I was doing something, you know, like a man or a woman. And I think in sales, my background, I did notice some differences in how men approach sell, selling and how women approach selling. And for me, it, you know, it was always very consultative, always relationship driven. I have the same customers. I mean, I used to write mortgages back in the nineties, like to, just to, to homeowners. And I still get messages from them on Facebook. <laughs> you know, this is how many years later. And so it was always about building the relationships and not just going for the fast sale, very transactional, which was typically more like you know, men, men handled sales situations. But I think when I started looking at this, uh, this situation with women in business, again, 90% are solo, um, very like 2% of women-owned businesses hit the million-dollar mark. Really frightening, actually. And, but yet they still drive about $3 trillion overall into the economy. So I started looking behind the scenes and figuring out what are these unique challenges. And, and, and one is access to qualified experts. I mean, I think that as we, as, as we get um, more involved in business, if you look up in your company, you don't see anyone that looks like you, right? That you don't see there's only 14% of women own uh, that top post in companies even. So it's trying to find people that you can relate to and that will be around to answer your questions and that are qualified to do that. Um, and with women, the second thing is really this, this idea of either a real or perceived lack of education. So it's a confidence issue that can hold us back. Um, I don't know about you, but I see sometimes on the job posting, it says 10 years experience. And if a woman has nine years, uh, 11 months and 29 days, they won't apply. Right. Right. So be like, I don't have 10 years. Um, and that third piece I talked about a little earlier was this idea of cognitive load. And, you know, it's not an indictment of men, but at the end, the end of the day, the running of household does fall on women. Um, it's this idea of, you know, my son leaves a saxophone at home and he has band practice. The school doesn't call my husband, they call me, right? <laughs> that's right. kind of how it is. And, um, and then the fourth, fourth piece that's very challenging for women is, is, is funding. Um, and I'm not talking about venture capital, although that is a challenge too, but just funding for, you know, if you, if you have a, a bakery or, um, you know, a nail salon or something along those lines that sometimes you just need a little bit of money to get it off the ground. And we don't get a lot of that money that's out there. So WiseHer is set up as a social enterprise. So a par- portion of our profits every year will be given back in the form of grants to women in business, either helping them start, build, and grow uh, a business of their own or provide corporate education for women to rise higher. Have you heard of Kateri Ruiz and uh, Maya Community? No, I have not. Oh, I have to connect the two of you up. Kateri was on the show a month or so ago. She created something called Maya, M-A-I-A dot community. Mm -hmm. And 
she has these incredible statistics about how if each woman in the just in the United States spent twenty dollars more a month at a woman owned business, it would fund over thirty nine billion dollars into women owned businesses, which is more than all the venture capital money given out in twenty eighteen to women owned businesses. Mm. And all every single woman in the U.S. has to do is put $20 more to it. And wise her, to me, really fits a lot with this whole idea of let's support our own. Let's yeah. help and lift each other up in, in very grassroots ways that have greater impact, I think, than some of these, these big ones. Because we're building those relationships and lifting up somebody that, as you said, is a sole proprietor, perhaps working home, but that doesn't mean they're not the best at what they do. Yes, exactly. And what was interesting to me, too, is that I did a big survey. I have about 200,000 women on my email list, and I did a big survey and what I, you know, asking them what their business, biggest business challenges were. And obviously a lot of them said that they wanted more clients, but when we really dug into it is even if they had more clients, they wouldn't know what to do with them because the challenge is a scale. So we're just not taught necessarily, I mean, at least in, in, in my era, you know, a lot of women are coming out of colleges now that entrepreneurship is a, is a, is a thing, right? And, and yeah. they have all these, these, they're completely limitless with their opportunities. But, you know, I took business classes, but it never really gave you that practical, like, okay, what now when do I hire an employee? Or um, now when, when do I, do I, I franchise? <laughs> or, right, right. Or, or how when do I, you know, when do I franchise? And there's this fear there that, um, you know, the scaling piece is, is really, really challenging. So even if I was able to give some of these women more clients, but as you said, you know, spend $20 extra, well, you know, what if they can't make the shoes or make the purses or make the whatever they're selling, you know, enough of it to to cover those orders, right? So that's really where we kind of come in as wise her is kind of in that middle ground is, is like is saying you should be building a scalable business um, set up to grow. And if you decide that you want to do that and you don't know how, we can help you finding you the sourcing the right experts. And that's a very different take. There, there's been a number of other expert communities out there where people pay a fee and can get access to experts. I, I think Dial-A-Brain is one of them. There's a couple of other ones that I've heard of mm-hmm. over the time. But I've never seen one with, and, and I know it's not launched quite yet, correct? Yes, you, we, well, we're onboarding experts right now, so okay. we're this close. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited to hear about that. But. Yeah. This whole concept of women helping women, I'm sure there's probably going to be some men experts, maybe? Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what kind of experts are really needed? And how does somebody find the right expert? The whole reason for my show and my book and everything is to bring these kind of conversations, right, Catherine? It's to say, you know, you may not, be surrounded by the people that you need. So let's get you a bigger pool. <laughs> and that's right, what exactly. is all about. Yes, yes. Well, for, for me, the experts can't, uh, can't, you know, apply or pay to be invite, you know, to be an expert. We wanted to make sure that it's a very, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a community where people feel comfortable in the expertise that's being given out. 
And for us, um, you know, my, my initial criteria, because I have a very, very vast network, so I'm very fortunate in the fact that I've built this big, big network. So my initial criteria is would I call you for advice? And if the answer to that question is yes, then that's the initial group of folks I'll be, you know, be inviting in. And, and I was kind of um, likening it to, you know, you have some people you give the keys to the house and some people that you meet them at the front door. Yes. So the ones that, you know, the initial experts are the ones I would give to the keys to the house that I would actually call. Um, and then the, the next level of experts that we're going to have in is people that of those founding experts that will be that will be onboarding they then will say okay well Laura you know who would you call as, if you an expert because there are um, you, you have different you know folks in your network than I do right and so really when we're looking for expertise is you know it's not even necessarily the amount of years you've been in a, in, in a business I mean I've seen people you know that have been in sales for 20 years that I wouldn't call for sales advice yeah honestly I, I so um, you know what I mean and so it's it's really for us it's you know do you do you exhibit a subject matter expertise are you recognized in your field as an expert um, you know, those are the kinds of things that we're really looking for because women won't call themselves experts. I mean, I can't tell you how many women I've reached out to that I'm, I'm asking to onboard as experts and, and they're like me. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh, you know, you certainly have the, the expertise and the cachet and all the things that you need to. And the other thing is the mission-based. You know, it's, this is, this, our initial business model is called, we're keeping it very affordable. It's $49 for a 30-minute call and $99 for a 60-minute call. So it's very affordable. So, you know, personally, I charge more for my time per hour than $100, but I want it to be very affordable and accessible to the constituency that we're trying to serve. It makes so much sense. You know, I can, I've gotten up to a thousand dollars, um, an hour of my time just to pick my brains, but I love what you're doing. We're going to go into national news and we'll be right back with more from the indomitable Catherine Rose. And we're back live on iHeartRadio here in Florida, or maybe you're listening on the podcast in, I don't know, I think last time I checked it was over 31 countries or more that are listening to my podcast, which is always so, so, so exciting. And we are here with, as I said before the national news break, the indomitable Catherine Rose. And I say the indomitable because I just love her philosophy, her philosophy of lifting up not only herself, but those around her and teaching her children how there is always a choice. And you know that choice has been a conversation that I've been exploring a lot this year on the Uh radio show because sometimes people don't even see that they have a possibility of choice. But uh, Catherine is really helping people to see that there are choices that they may not see right away. And she is the founder of about to be launched WiseHer.com, an expert community uh, that is designed to help women learn business and find their choices and grow their businesses. So, Catherine, welcome, welcome back from uh, National News. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, before the break, we were, you know, you were sharing how you decided to create this and how you're sourcing the experts. One of the, and, and you talked about the different pricing, $49 for a 30 minute, $99 for a 60 minute, and that so many of the experts get so much more when they do one-to-one consulting, coaching for people. What is it about asking somebody for 
their advice that you think scares people? I think that um, there's always, a, especially for women, I don't know how it is for men because I'm not a man, but it, 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 we do this like dance, you know, it's, uh, you know, we don't want to take advantage of somebody, somebody's time, but at the same time, we're almost afraid to ask how much it costs because we might not be able to afford it, you know what I mean? Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's something that I'm actually pursuing in this TEDx talk I'm working on is, you know, really this whole idea of, you know, we need to start asking for help because there are people out there who are willing to help us. I think the challenge is finding the right people at the right time. So you could go to Facebook and say, you know, how can I find a new job or I'm in this situation and, you know, and people might answer you, but you don't know if they're real experts. Um, and then you have the other thing where, and I'm sure you probably run into this too, where people are always calling me, you know, can we have coffee or can I have 30 minutes to pick your brain time, that kind of thing. And I try to explain to them that, you know, really all that I have is in my head. So if I give it away for free all the time, A, I won't be able to continue with my business and B, I won't make any money, right? So right. Um, I think that the the idea of, of paying for time I think it's a really good thing for both sides because if I'm paying you for your time, then I'm going to have a certain expectations that you're going to be the expert that can answer my question. So that's going to move me forward um, versus, you know, having coffee with someone and you spend like 35 minutes talking about everything else but the business and then finally you're like, okay, you asked me to coffee. Right. <laughs> you know, did, is there something that you need? And they feel almost uncomfortable about asking because they're not paying for it. So. What I'm trying to do is, is, is to, on two sides. One, I want to find, you know, people feel comfortable that these are actual experts, so you're paying for the time, so you should get what you get what you pay for. Um, and also on the expert side, it's like stop, especially for women, stop taking free calls. You know, there shouldn't be free consultations. If you're an expert, you should get paid for your time, even in, in a small amount, ascribe value to it. My accountant and one of my business advisors just laid into me the other day about that exact issue because as I've been grieving my mom these last this last year and you know taking care of her for six, I was like, I don't know if I have the bandwidth to you know like formally take on clients to the level that a lot of them need, so I'll do a lot of free calls or I'll just do a local speech for free instead of charging like I used to. And he's like, stop that. <laughs> Yeah, he's like people yeah. need to understand that there's a value to what you provide, and and I'm laughing, Catherine, because I shot an email out to a friend of mine who has paid a lot of money for consulting services with a lot of people, and she was on my heart, she was on my mind, and I'm like I, and I wasn't going to send her an email, but I'm like, okay, something's going on with you. I don't know why we haven't talked in months, but I'm sending you this email. What's going on? And an hour later, I get this like crazy long email. And it's like, I was lost until you sent me the email. And I'm like, you never send an email unless I'm supposed to be thinking about something differently about what's in my head. And right. I mean, the email literally said, something's up, what's up? I don't know what's going on, but you know, I'm here for you. And she goes, mm -hmm. you completely shifted my thinking. And this woman has paid like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year to work with people and I send one email. We have one ten minute call and like she shifts everything and she's like, You right. gotta start charging for this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But what is it about that fear? I mean, you've done it so successfully in your career and I I want my listeners to 
to set a price on something. So let's give them something that they can immediately shift their thinking around, a question they can ask themselves, Catherine, about something that they're giving away for free right now that they can package. How's that? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think one of the questions you need to ask yourself is, you know, what do you, what do you, how much do I want to make an hour, right? So I, I have this um, podcast I'm writing, it's called, called about like at a zero. And the whole idea is when I first became a consultant, I took on this client and I charged him just a little bit of money because I wanted a, um, I wanted a, a reference. And this is when I was social media, you know, I took on this client and you know, they're paying a small amount of money for like, I think it was like 10 hours uh, a month or something. And then quickly it grew. Like I was on every call and every meeting and I was, you know, kind of expected to be on call essentially. And I was at this event and I always get early for everything, you know, in sales, you're not, you know, if you're not early, you're late kind of thing. Yes. And so I was there like 30 minutes before this thing started. And the, uh, there was this gentleman there and I just, chatted him up. I always talked to everybody and it turned out he was like the keynote speaker and he was a huge consultant. People pay this guy like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to have a, be a consultant. I said, well, while you're here <laughs> and there's no one else here, I said, uh, you know, I'm going through this challenge. You know, they're not listening to me. They're not, you know, taking my advice. And that often happens when we give away our time too. Right. And, um, and he said, you know, he said, this got the smile on his face and he said, you need to add a zero. I was like, what? He said, you know, that he was first fired this client because they're never going to appreciate you. They're never going to take the advice. And the next one, you add a zero. And I was scared to death, but I did it. And the next client, they didn't even balk at the price. They just hired me. And you know for, for a fact that it was 10 hours a week. And if it was, you know, 9.59, they would be like, oh, Catherine has to go because they knew they would have to pay me additional hours, you know, to stay. Right. And so they were very respectful of my time, because that's what he said. If people are paying you that kind of money, they're going to be respectful of your time. They're going to listen to what you have to say, you know. And so I think that's a really important thing. You know, how much money do you want to make, and, and, how, and how do you want to be received? And, and do you want your advice to be taken, you know, and implemented? I think that was part of it. One of the things that I get a lot when people call me up and ask for my advice or hire me to, to help them is this whole concept of, well, what do I really do? <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of women have a very difficult time defining what it is they do. What, hmm. what would be your advice with helping them do that? Look at your results. You know, for me in sales, it was very easy. You know, if I, what I did was I moved companies to the next level. So when I, they hired me at that company to do the, run the sales, it was like $4.6 million company. And in two and a half, three years, I, you know, brought it to 12 and a half, almost $13 million company. So that, you know, that's kind of the result. So what, what do I do? I move, I move businesses forward. I generate revenue for, for businesses. Um, if you're a life coach and your success stories from your clients are, like you said, I sent that email and it shifted her thinking and, and, and she didn't pay me $15,000 for it. Um, you know, my, my, my worth is that I'm a, I'm, you know, I help people shift their mindset or whatever it is. And in order, in doing so, I've shifted them into a next, you know, the next 
bracket of, of income or um, a, to a different stage of their life where they're happier. You can't really put a price on happiness, right? So right. those, uh, you know, look at the end results of what you're driving and what you're doing. And then that is really, I guess, kind of back to what you do. So for Wise Her, you know, what is Wise Her? Yes, it's an expert community and all that. And, you know, that's what we do. But what are we? We help women rise one answer at a time. That's the way I describe it. Yeah, I, and I think there's a little bit more to it than just one answer at a time. I think it's one question at a time because they're asking a question and then your experts, right, may ask them a completely different question because the question mm. they're asking isn't the right question. Right, that could be too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I love you and I and the way we think because we, we both believe, at least I think we do from conversation and and social media we've done that really the right questions get you the right answers because if you're not asking the right question the answer really doesn't matter that is true and also that just to be able to ask the questions and you know someone said to me how did you become an expert so quickly in these different things and I was like I just spent a lot of time asking questions (laughs) of people and you know expertise is something that you know, it depends on, on, on how bad you want to understand. Like, I just want to know everything. You know, I just want to know um, as much as I possibly can. But it doesn't mean that I need to, you know, know the mechanics of how everything goes together. So for my, my website, as I said, I know enough code to be dangerous. And sometimes it is kind of dangerous. My coders will say, can you please stay out of it? <laughs> the source code. But, um, you know, I learned enough so that I can speak language to my developers and say, I need you to do this and this is how I want to do it. Or, you know, I want to do this, I want to do this particular function and I know it can be done this way. What do you think? So that way we're, we're, we're talking, you know what I mean? In in a different way versus, um, you know, kind of just leaving it up to someone else. So I think expertise is in general. And as you said, sometimes expertise just comes from asking the right questions back to the person. And the next right question is, Mr. B, can you take us out to our last commercial break? Hey, I just found out something and I want to give a shout out to Mr. and Mrs. B on their 47th wedding anniversary today. Congrats, Kathy and Mr. B. Isn't that awesome? 47 years. Wow. That's just mind-blowing to me. I've been married and divorced twice. So... (laughs) And both of them don't even like remotely add up to that. So congratulations. You two are uh, just beautiful to watch all the time. Mr. B is my engineer and producer in the booth. So, all right. So Catherine, you know, this whole concept of questions and learning to ask the right questions, putting together a website like you're putting together, wiseher.com, which by the way, people can go to wiseher.com and register now to uh, find out when everything's uh, going live and, and get some emails and things from you to get ready to get assistance, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, and it's wise, W-I-S-E-H-E-R.com. Um, that is it? Okay, cool. The I, where, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this this question because I'm like all over the place with it. I think one of the reasons why people have trouble asking questions is they're for advice is they're afraid of being judged for their lack of knowledge. Yeah. 
I totally agree with you. I think people are afraid to look stupid. You know, they, like you said, they they're judged for their lack of knowledge. And, and I always think that the ask is reframing it to always seeking knowledge. So if you think about the fact that you're not asking because you're too dumb to know the answer, you're asking because you're trying to level up your knowledge, that's a completely different thought process. And, um, and, and to the people who are afraid to be judged, I, I, I say, you know, you just got to do it. You just got to go forward because if you don't ask the questions, you'll, you're not going to get the right answers. And then you're, where are you going to be? And that's where we are with these, you know, 11.6 million women-owned businesses, 90% of them are solo. I mean, some people want to be solo, and that's fine. But I would bet, venture to guess that, you know, there's a large swath of these women who want to go to the next level. And the same thing in corporate. You know, if you're working in a very male-dominated, you know, industry or you're in a meeting and you're surrounded by all the guys, you may not feel comfortable asking the questions to one of them in the meeting, but ask afterward. You know, just make sure that you, you get the knowledge so then the next time you go into the meeting, you have more to contribute. And you won't get there unless you unless you learn to, you know, I honestly, I've always asked questions. And I, people say there isn't a stupid question. Well, you know, I just always assume that people don't think I'm dumb <laughs> for asking the question. <laughs> So I just, so I just do, you know, I just, I just ask. And, uh, if that means that they think I'm, 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 you know, not worthy of the, you know, the position I'm in or I should know this or something, well, too bad. You know, at the end of the day, I need to know that for my, you know, for my business, for my life, for, you know, to continue forward. And someone like myself who's reinvented myself so many times, I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I was able to ask questions. It's a really brilliant way of putting it. And it dropped this thought into my mind of if you're asking questions of people, you're asking advice of people, and they're judging you or they're putting you down, you really need to change the group of people you're interacting with. They're not your people, exactly. Yes. They're just trying to keep you down or lift themselves up at, at your own expense. I know I was at a huge event once and I was in the audience and it was one of those, you pay $10,000 to be there and somebody brought me there as their guest. And the guy on the stage said, okay, here's two videos, you know, here's what's going on. They're trying to help people with publishing and stuff. And he's like, anybody have any questions? So I raised my hand and I started out asking this question. I said, there's a difference in the energy between the two videos. And I was going to go, why is that? Because you never do anything not strategically, right? Right. He cut me off before I ever got to that. And he started laughing at me from the stage and see, everybody always wants to give you a negative first. And it wasn't a negative. It was a comment that there's a difference. And he completely shut me down. And I realized that no matter how much value that guy had, and he's brilliant you know what I mean he still has his own stuff oh that says way more about him than it does about you absolutely and, yeah but I, it still rankles me right because he never apologized but when he saw somebody speaking from his stage do it to one of the people in the audience he corrected that person but when he did it himself he didn't so we all need to look at who we're asking our questions of how they're reacting to us and how we're reacting would you I think you you agree with that. You said you did. So how do you find these right people? Like even on a wise her, how would you, how would my listeners go through and say, this is the person I need to talk to right now? 
do you help them find that? Yeah. Well, there's so initially it's all, it's going to be self self serve because you know we're a woman owned company, so we you know again only two percent of the investment dollars. So we're going for we're going for investment, um, but I want to launch it first because it's just it would take me you know over a year to find the funding, and I'm like I just want to get it out in the world. So um, initially, so how it is is when an expert signs up. Um, to be an expert, they, there's a headline that tells the person exactly what they can do for them. So, you know, if you're a LinkedIn person and you work with executives, it's, you know, I help executives with their LinkedIn profiles or whatever it is. So you can, you know, initially see what this person can help you with. Um, we also have a way where the expert can put a video in. It's called meet, a Meet Me Video. So they click on that link and it pops up and it says, you know, hi, I'm Catherine Rose. This is what I can help you with. So you can search the, the directory by, um, by expertise, by name, by a whole bunch of different things. And then the next iteration of the platform, as you know, there's always a V2, 3, 17, whatever. Um, the next iteration is going to be we're building in an algorithm so that you can come in and say, you know, I'm a small business or I'm a um, middle manager or whatever it is, and this is kind of where I'm looking to go. And then our system will come through and say, these are the recommended people for you. But initially, we wanted to just leave it open, very democratic. Everyone can choose, you know, which experts resonate with them the most and, um, you know, go from there. It's to me. It's always fascinating because it starts. It can also become a who's really good at writing their profile mm-hmm. and trying to find the right person to ask the question. And sometimes we have to ask that same question of multiple people. Yeah, sometimes you do. And I mean, we have a rating system built in there, too, so people can see, you know, ratings and um, all the calls are recorded. So you don't even have to take notes. Oh, nice. Everything is. Yeah, everything's recorded. So after the call's over, you get the recording link in your dashboard so you can go listen to it again. And, um, you know, it's like with anything, but you know, we're making it super affordable and and um, we're trying to really hone in on what we feel are the best and brightest experts that can help people. Um, we're hoping that the service will, will, will be very useful. That's all we wanted. And, you know, when I first started looking at this problem, there's so many communities out there. You mentioned the Maya community and so many women's groups. And I didn't want to compete directly with them. So we're not going to have like meetups and, and chapters and all that kind of stuff. We want to complement those services. So if your listeners, any of them have um, women's groups, you know, this is something that we are, we're working with a lot of women's groups to offer it as a member benefit. So, you know, you, you have your own members and their things, but if they want to make calls through Wise Her as a member of your organization, they can do that at a discounted rate uh, because we want to be able to supplement all those communities as well and complement their services. I, I love it. I think you and Maya community, Kateri, can, can do so much together with the numbers of, of women that you have in your communities to support these women-owned businesses that she's got this huge database, you've got this database, and the two of you and a number of other people that both of us know, I think it's time to to rise up and, and really focus on the 90%, not the 10% that keep putting us down. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can all work together. And when I when I talk about it, it's again, it's not in, instead of men or in spite of men even. It's, it's alongside. I mean, I think we all have to work together. We're in, a, we're in a world that it really is a two-income household and a two-income economy. And so if I make less money and I'm working the same job as, some, as a man, that my, my family suffers, you know, not, so my husband suffers too. And so, 
you know, how can we um, make sure that there there is this, you know, more of an equality and 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 leadership and ownership and those kinds of things um, that I think we, we can all work together to have a better outcome for for ever everyone. And I want to make sure in the last few moments of the show that people can reach out to you. We mentioned wiseher.com, but if people have questions, how can they get to you? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn as well, but um, I'm, I'm Catherine at wiseher.com, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N at wiseher.com. Um, feel free to shoot me an email or link in with me. Just make sure if you link in with me, tell me, you know, why. You, you know, you heard me on the show or whatever, so I know because I don't often accept anonymous LinkedIn requests, but um, I am really happy to, to engage with anyone, and, and I wish you, Laura, well and all your listeners well this holiday season. Well, thank you. And thanks for being on the show. I think I know I got a lot out of it and I'm sure my listeners did as well. So thanks for being here with me today and playing. And thank you for having me. (laughs) All right, everybody. Remember that the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? And do you even know if you're asking it of the right person? That is such a critical component to the questioning process because you have to get past people's own biases and their own experiences so that they can open you up to what's truly possible. Have a great day, everyone. Enjoy and hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.